I'm Kate Daniels. Life is amazing, and it's also filled with surprises. Emma Nadler, a mom, a wife, a psychotherapist, an author, a speaker, is with us to share some of her life that reflects just this case. Amazing and surprising. And as a philosopher kind of psychotherapist, I feel Emma helps us to look within ourselves, see what is going on, look outward and see where we need to be, where we are needed, and this weaving in and out and about becomes a true tapestry of who we become in our life. I think that's some of what I gleaned from Emma's lovely memoir, The Unlikely Village of Eden. Let's meet Emma so we can hear this directly from the source. Emma Nadler, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning, this Mother's Day morning. Thank you, Kate. I'm really happy to be here with you. And I am just uh, feeling very what content, very pleased, happy to be having this conversation on this day about your beautiful book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, a memoir, as I think it's such a gift to all of us, uh, whether we are mothers ourselves, whether we are mothers because of roles that we play in life, uh, or, or simply because of just what is going on in our life. This, I believe this book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, can and does speak to any and all of us. Thank you. That's so great. That is absolutely my hope for this book, that it will find its way into the hands of readers who who may or may not be parents, who may or may not be grandparents. Um, I really wanted to find readers who feel alone or surprised by some aspect of their life and who, sense, uh, who cre- crave a sense of camaraderie during an unexpected time or anyone who just wants to laugh, cry, or escape. And if you just like the cover and that want to make that snap judgment, that's also okay with me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled whoever can find it and, um, and, and really hope that, that it, those universal themes come through. And that's part of what I hope to then, uh, a big part of being able to discuss this your story, your life with our listeners, because I feel that there's really, truly a gift here, encouragement in in just so many different ways that can definitely make a difference if we open ourselves up to it. I appreciate that. I It feels like you're really getting this book, and, and that's great to hear. I, I hope that I do. Um, I I have read, I would say, 80% of it, and I will finish the rest because there's, you take us so deeply into your life, into your family, into your beautiful child, your daughter, Eden, and your son, Avi. I mean, he is, <laughs> he is such a character. I, I would love spending time with him. He sounds like such a wise old man. You know... I think you've got that, and I like to say about my family, we are a lot of things, but we are never boring. <laughs> and that totally comes through in the book. And and in saying that, I feel that part of 
a big part of what is so important with your book is your honesty, how you don't try to sugarcoat anything. If anything, you really want to just rip away the curtains and show us what's back there. And and I hope that in doing that, all of us feel like, oh, we can truly be ourselves. Let's not put on these facades and all the makeup all the time. Yes, that's exactly what I hope gets communicated. And whether or not we put on any makeup, like either way, it's great. Like, let's be who we are. Let's show up as we are. And... And I'm so glad that that you felt that come through because that was absolutely my intention to to not try to simplify my experience or our story, but really try to allow the full complexity to come through for readers. Because I think often life is so complicated and we carry so many feelings and thoughts and experiences with us. And, and I wanted to make sure that full depth was there for people, because I think that's the way to connect is to really to get all that out there. Yes, to, to open our hearts and reveal who we are. And, and especially, and and you do this so beautifully, you, you really want to tear down all these stereotypes around being the perfect mother, the mom, and and how our society builds that up without really building in all the structures to to support women and men who are in mothering roles to be able to do this. And this is another part of the book that I, I feel is really critical for us to embrace. Exactly. Exactly. That, that I think often we blame mothers. Well, we blame mothers for so many things. Um, but I think we often blame mothers for our own perfectionism and, and we can blame ourselves for that, but that comes from our culture that comes from our culture that demands that of us and, and often nothing less to be so many roles, to be so many things, to do so much. And yet, and yet the supports to, to bolster that are often really not there. I mean, we see that, especially, I think, in the aftermath of the pandemic and through it. But, but even before, um, just we need more systemic supports for mothers and parents of all stripes to be able to do our roles well and to be able to thrive. And that then carries forward to our families. Exactly. And, and part of that not having the the support or the real good um, uh, decisions and information from those who should have it. I think about early on in when Eden is still a, a young infant and is having difficulty with breastfeeding, and the then you get the medical observation of well, it must be your fault. You, the mother, are doing something that is affecting this when it was so wrong. But it's that kind of snap decision. And and I wonder if that just comes from a fear or just feeling like one needs to know the answers. And that's a, that's a good, easy answer. I think it, 
yeah, I think it comes from a lot of sources. And I did for a time really let in that blame too much, as I think others do. Um, we hold these things because we're told from our culture that things are our fault, that it must be us that are that are that it's doing something wrong. Um, and for a time, I I, I allowed that, and um, and and I think what is going on is that um, we need to be less alone. You know, we need to help each other through and to have other mothers to talk more with and other parents and communal spaces and we need to be able to usher each other through more and I think isolation leads people towards self-doubt and self-criticism and so as I felt more supported I think I was able to to blame myself less but this is really it's a bigger cultural issue than than just you know that women have a tendency to self-blame. I think that really, that oversimplifies it and isn't, isn't an accurate picture. And that's why sharing your experiences and your thoughts and what really transpired over these last years, I think allows or gives us then and I, uh, that opportunity to think about it personally, uh, to reach out to others and, and have these conversations and deeper discussions as you did in your own life. Yeah, I really, um, th- that's really my, my true hope is that this can spark more conversations between people and that this will catalyze others to check in on each other more and to hopefully talk more about the difficult things. I think talking more about what is hard, but also sometimes being able to laugh at it too um, and carry some lightness with that are, are both things that have helped me. And truly the laughter, you, you, you certainly know how to include that. And, and, and another part of it is to find as you share with us, for you, it was music, dancing and singing and whatever it might be in someone's family that it really inspires them. But doing that and, and, and finding the joy that way. Yeah, we we tend to have a good time in my family. And my husband is is a musician. And so we we definitely have a value of, of music and song and and then my daughter Eden just was born with this real she's she's just so drawn to music and and so she really brought that even more so to us where um she knows so much about pop music I mean that's really her her jam but she all kinds of music She's, she's an avid listener and knows the lyrics to many, many pop songs along with their exact title and can have a great dance party in the kitchen or elsewhere, really anywhere. And so she's helped us, I think, even more so just really enjoy this together and... Um, and we spend a lot of time at home because of her autism. It's hard for her to go places. 
And so um, we've really mastered the um, the at home serious dance party. <laughs> and and so this is we're seeing uh, Eden now um, as you and I speak. I, I think she must be eight years old. Exactly. Yep. Right. She's almost eight. Almost eight. The the book begins uh, prior to her birth, and and then we see that there were so many challenges, and she was she, she was a very unique child, even more so unique. Tell us a little, if you would, about this, Emma, about Eden's birth and those early years. Yeah. Well, let me think about where to start. I guess we could start with the birth. Well, the birth was was fairly unremarkable and thought that she was a typical child. And But then she did have a lot of challenges with feeding um, fairly early on. And and had trouble with breastfeeding and then eating solids and wasn't meeting the developmental milestones. And so at that point, we sought, um, we did some blood testing and found out that she does have a rare genetic deletion, which means that she's missing DNA. And so, and it's so rare that there wasn't a roadmap for what her life would be like. We, when we got the diagnosis, the, the doctor said, well, we don't know because, I mean, it is, it is a large amount of DNA that she's missing, so this will have a significant impact, but we don't know how that will affect her. And then they gave a list, a very long list and a very, a very intense, difficult list of what could be um, the, the challenges that she might face. And so there's been a lot of uncertainty, and it's really been unfolding um, as her life unfolds. And that's the beautiful thing, because there was to know she is eight years old now, and I would say thriving because of what you've just shared, but in the book, too, how she just uh, really has this great community that supports her and obviously loves her, too, and she just really blossoms in all that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I, Yeah, I think that she, in many ways, is doing very well. And, and she also struggles with, well, she lives on a feeding tube, which, which is heavy and hard and not something, and I wish she didn't have to do that. And so because she's not able to eat food because of some anatomical challenges, and medical issues that she has. So she has to do that. And she does have severe autism and that, and that is, it can be really hard for her and for us as well. And I think we've, we're deeply committed to giving her the best life that she can have. And she certainly is surrounded by love and so many people love her and enjoy her and see her and understand her. So I think that there's a lot of of good, and I think that there's some really hard things that still remain. There's so much uncertainty. When you mentioned the feeding tube, the doctors thought that, and that's where, 
more uncertainty. The doctors thought maybe when she's 10 or 12, she might, quote, I guess, grow out of it. Yes. Right. We took her to Boston to a motility specialist, which is a specialist for the challenges that she faces with her digestion. And yeah, and he said that he thought she would likely grow out of it. And know if when that will happen and so that part part is tough because the feeding tube I think it it comes with its own uh, challenges and sufferings to, to, to have to live on a feeding tube I imagine for her of course physically as she has grown and and feels this thing on her but you as parents and, and her caregivers too, uh, just what it takes to maintain it and and to keep her healthy, that has its own huge challenges, I can imagine. Yeah, it definitely was not our plan. And, and, and that's really what this book is about largely is when life doesn't go to plan. And So, yeah, this was definitely not in any vision that I had. Um, I don't know a parent who would have have this as I didn't even know before we had Eden that that there were children on feeding tubes. I just like didn't I mean, I knew there was elderly. I don't know. I just that wasn't my world. And then I think of us join worlds we didn't think we were going to join. And so this is now a part of our path. And no one, well, of course, plans, as you said, or or even anticipates. I think if we anticipated such a thing, we would certainly just lock ourselves away and, and not live our life. But what is beautiful um, in a, a bittersweet way is how you have taken it, and it comes to the what you call the unlikely village of Eden. It literally has taken that village to be, be the support that you need, and I think has also just really made a difference in the lives of all those who have engaged with you. We we really are fortunate in that we were able to build over time a village, and and when I say village, I don't mean like you know this old school town square thing. I think those days for most of us have largely passed, but really a, a network of, of beloved people who have shown up for us and we for them in meaningful ways. And I truly have met some of the best people. I mean, people who are doing, who are giving, who are thinking about we and us, not just mine and me. And that's been really invigorating for me to find and to get to know those people and to be a part of that. And I never would have met any of these. I mean, I I don't think my relationships would be the same. When we did have Eden, my whole life had to be recalibrated. And and that meant all of the relationships. So my marriage, friendships, my psychotherapy clients, you know, my relationship to work and my family Everything was reinvented, and 
we did get to have and still get to have this village. And for that, I am tremendously grateful. And I really hope that readers can think about when they hear our story about what is possible for them. Because I think a lot is possible, even in difficult times. I think so much is possible, especially when we're not alone, especially when we connect with one another, especially when we are willing to reach out and ask for help and offer help. And I'm really interested in being in those symbiotic networks where, you know, I'm a psychotherapist by trade, but I don't just want to be a helper. I also want to be helped. I want to be, and not, not necessarily by my clients per se, because I have a very separate, you know, professional relationship with my clients. But in the broader scheme of things, I want to be a helper and I want to be helped. I want to be a part of that because I think that's what we need in our world, especially right now as we come through this pandemic and are more isolated than ever, you really need each other. And a big part of that is being open and honest as you were, being vulnerable to share that rather than, again, having a facade of, oh, things are just fine, which some people want to have that bravado. But to be genuinely open allows others to come in and then to be willing to say yes, right? Well, I really think so. And I, and I love Brene Brown's work around vulnerability, as so many people do, because I think, yes, we want to be vulnerable, and we want to be vulnerable with the right people. Like, we want to be vulnerable with the people who have proven that they're trustworthy to hold it, that they will be able or want to meet our needs, that, that it's something that will be received in the way that we hope. So I think that, yes, I'm all for vulnerability, and I think especially in the context where it really serves us, right? I think sometimes people can go overboard, and it's like they're vulnerable at the grocery store, and I don't know. Like, I don't know if that serves us. I don't know if that's always you know, the best way to use our energy. But I think that in situations where, yeah, we have someone trusted in our lives, I, I hope that we will open up. I hope that we all will because then we get to see each other's humanity. The book, this wonderful book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, there's just so much of feeling of sharing yourself and your experiences that we can't possibly touch on in a very short conversation, which is why I feel it's so critically important to read this book and to embrace how it might fit into our own lives, because I think it really has a way of fitting everyone. People may not necessarily think that, but I do feel that there's this message on so many levels and very strongly for uh, for women who are wanting to balance motherhood and career. And, you know, there's such a big part of it that weaves throughout this entire book. So getting a copy of the book, we can get it at all of our favorite book sources, correct, Emma? Correct. And you can get it wherever you get your books. It will also come out on audiobook. I know a lot of parents sometimes have trouble, don't have a free hand and to read. So it will also be coming out on audiobook. And the plan for that is May 9th. And thank you for your support, Kate. I, I'm just thrilled to hear how it's resonated with you. And that means so much to me. 
oh, truly, it's resonated. And I just feel that's the reason it means so much for anyone and everyone and for people to be able to to follow more and and to uh, get more insights into you your experience uh you have a website emma yes i do it is www.emmanadler.com so just emmanadler.com and my name it's e m m a N-A-D-L-E-R.com. Great. Well, the book is great. You're great. I am just so um, appreciative of you, your honesty, your openness, and that, you know, we get to follow the ups and the downs. And, you know, one of the things uh, that is that we really need to pay attention to is how in our world we are seeing so much of the autism spectrum, the neurodivergence that is happening. And I think this helps us all, and that means all of us, to be more understanding and compassionate. And and I think you're great. I just want to say I just really appreciate this this conversation and... And yes, what if we continue to embrace all people in in various different thinking styles and worldviews? I think there's so much to learn from everyone. Yes, I think it does go beyond. I mean, it, it's just so hugely all-encompassing. So we we take down those barriers and stereotypes that we want to divide us and realize where we can connect and that we can connect in beautiful ways. Yes. I'm just really, yes, that's the message that I hope comes through. And so I am so grateful that we've had this opportunity to speak, Emma Nadler. Uh, do you have any perhaps parting words you'd want to share with our listeners? Uh, just anything that comes uh, up in your heart and your mind? Hmm. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me on the show. And, and then I'm thinking about why I wrote this. That's what bubbles up to me. That's what comes to mind. And I really, I wrote this book because when I needed it most, when I got my daughter's diagnosis, this book did not exist for me. I really wanted a book that talked about grief in a real way and and shared all the hard truths, but also held this this lightness with it of the possibility of joy and connection. And, and so that's why I did this because I think let's create what does not exist. I think there's so many possibilities for our world. And I really hope that we lean in to creating what does not exist, including a better world for mothers and for parents which then will help our children. So thinking about systemic supports and other ways to make mom's lives easier, not just on one day, but on every day, what could we do to do that? And I think that's a, that's a societal question that I hope we really dig into in the years to come. 
Oh, yes. And and we know that you live this because your son, Avi, <laughs> which has said that, that he knows, yes, he can be the change in the world. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, That's the dream, you know, mm. that, the, that the next generation will believe that because we need them. Without question. And so we have this amazing opportunity then to really give this good consideration and thought, have it in a book group, in mother's groups, uh, whatever group you want to create and have a great conversation around the unlikely village of Eden. Emma Nadler, you are truly such a gift, and I am just so grateful that we had this time to share together this morning. I am really grateful, too. This really this really brightened my day. Thank you so much, and happy Mother's Day to everyone, whatever your relationship it is with it. Yeah, I hope you have a peaceful day. Beautiful.